Welcome to Solomon's Knot, finding truth and wisdom in an information age. Today's guest is Dr. Chris Burt of Spirit of Truth Outreach, here to talk about issues involving the multiverse, ancient aliens, sci-fi, as well as many issues in the culture affecting young people. Dr. Burt has a unique background in studying the New Age phenomena and some of its many expressions. As a partner of Fort Campus, we want to support Dr. Burke's ministry. So if you like this message and you would like to support him, please check the show notes for direct links on how you can give or go to fortcampus.org for more details. Now, without further delay, let's get to our guest. All right, uh, Dr. Berg, uh, thanks for joining us again. Uh, I think the last time we had you on was the very first episode we did for uh, for Campus and Solomon's Knot. Uh, so uh, can you go ahead and catch us up a little bit from that first conversation? And guys, if you haven't already, we'll drop a link in the show notes. Uh, please review that. So much has happened since then. I think that was right in the beginning of COVID. So Dr. Berg, just go ahead and let us know how you've been. Yeah, sure. So uh, it's, it's been a fun time. <clears throat> uh, difficult, though, I, I will admit. Um, we, we've been locked out of schools. I think everybody's felt that. Even parents mm. have been locked out of schools. Uh, mm. It's funny. I talk with parents and they say, oh, yeah, I can't even get into the school to pick up my kid anymore. And uh, so it's been hard. We have had some school talks, though. We've actually got one coming up this Friday. I'm very excited about it at a local school, local middle school. So I'm very happy about that. Um, but it, it has been difficult. Um, it's, it's been difficult both politically as well as uh, due to COVID issues. <clears throat> right. uh, the second thing I would say is we've had a number of fun talks at universities. So we've gotten to really push against the transgender and homosexual agenda issues. We did the war on gender talk at uh, UNC Wilmington, which is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten to speak out on a number of different topics uh, over time as well. We've been able to cover a lot of fun things just in terms of our YouTube channel and YouTube status. That's been a lot of fun too. Mm-hmm. Did some archaeology stuff, did some apologetics, been having some fun conversations with students. Uh, church is going well, um, and we're now entering into our Matthew. Uh, we're going through the Gospel of Matthew, probably about, about 120 to 130 sermons on Matthew mm. um, that we're going to be putting out here over the next two years. So I'm very excited about that, too. And uh, and things are going well So in, wow. in that sense. So, yeah. Wonderful. Uh, episode plan today. Um, I think this is going to be one of the best ones we're ever going to do because uh, I got the big guns on here. Guys, look, I'm bringing in the heavyweights. You're not just getting someone in the culture talking about these things. I got doctor level professor here. So this episode, uh, we're going to unpack multiverse theory, new age, uh, maybe some witchcraft, some of the things that are going on there, uh, ancient aliens and all the different lies and deceptions there. And maybe just some touch on sci-fi a little bit. And then I actually want to close with the summer reading, the SK's first ever summer reading list. So I want to get some recommendations from you as well, Dr. Berg. Uh, but let's go ahead and dive right into this. Deck. So I just watched the Marvel Doctor Strange movie. Uh, if you guys have followed the whole Marvel universe and all the different unpacking, whether it's Thor or the Avengers, they've been playing with a lot of these ideas. And by the way, uh, Disney has a worldview. A lot of these people are trying to push certain narratives uh, but it is it was a great movie. I actually really am not like a, the hugest fan of the world, but there were some themes in there that kind of really stuck out. So we'll go and unpack those a little bit. But yes, uh, Dr. Berg, can you go ahead and just explain uh, the multiverse theory and uh, some of the, the concepts there, um, as well as just in general, what, what is that? What is the multiverse? Sure. And essentially, I'm going to also do one other thing, too. I'll go ahead and show a book. I know this is going to be jumping the gun a little bit, but I will show a book as well here in a, in a moment. I'll tell you which one it is. That For people who want to know more about multiverse from an academic level and essentially the main defeaters of it, um, there's a couple really good books out there. And I believe one's by Luke Barnes. We'll, we'll take a look at that in a second. Uh, but for the general understanding of what the multiverse is, so it's the idea that came about. One, there were some physics, some theoretical physics involved, no doubt about that, some 
some postulates with string theory and things like that. The worldview thrust that led to the generation of the possibility of a multiverse theory was the idea of how does the universe begin? Okay, so this is the central question. Where did the universe come from? Uh, it's fairly universally recognized that when you're talking from a philosophical perspective, things have causes. And even back as early as Aquinas and some of these other guys, there was this idea of an unmoved mover, an uncaused cause. Essentially, they recognized that something that itself was not caused had to kick the whole thing into gear, right? Mm -hmm. Had to start it. You can't have an infinite chain. That's another way to describe it in philosophy. If you have an infinite chain, it either must always be moving. In other words, it's eternal mm -hmm. or it's purely stagnant. Something has to start chain moving, so to speak in terms of time and the universe and everything. And so for a while, people had thought, you know, philosophers thought, oh, well, it's static. That, that makes sense, right? It's static. The universe is eternal. Uh, therefore, it can be static. It doesn't need a cause to start it. Uh, but then science rears its ugly head. And the universe, it seems, is not static. The universe is expanding. Mm. And the problem is, if it is expanding, well, now we have a problem. Things aren't just hanging there in space. They have been moving from a point, a singularity. And the discovery of this singularity or this idea that matter, time, and space, all three, <clears throat> remember all three, originated at a single point, became an issue for the guys who wanted to go eternal. And again, we need something to kick this all off. Mm. And so essentially you have the situation where now scientists, philosophers, everybody's kind of trying to think, well, we don't want God. That's the obvious answer, right? That God kicked this off, but we don't want God. So we need something else. We need a naturalistic something. A priori commitment to naturalism rejects supernatural causation, forces someone to come up with some form of pseudo-naturalism, right? Well, let's let's real quick, and not, not to not to break your train of thought here, is can can you go ahead and just maybe in more of a, a layman's terms, because not everyone may be approaching this from a philosophical or theological backdrop, but uh, essentially from what you're saying is that from the beginning there has to be a cause, an origin. So if all existence. Gotta be something. Something had to kick this thing off. Right. And so the multiverse theory, it basically tries to explain how that came to be. Maybe just unpack that some more. What created the multiverse? Where does that come from? This is where we we're going to get to. So essentially, right, their, their issue, and I'm going to go and pull this open real quick here. Uh, their issue, so they're going to posit the multiverse to explain how our universe happened. What a lot of the multiverse uh, posits look like is, you have something, call it a black box, call it the ether, call it whatever you want to call it, different types of particles, whatever it is, the nothing that is not actually nothing, right? I think that was one of, uh, one of the famous- Plasma, whatever was the yeah, building the, blocks for the- Nothing that isn't really quite really nothing. It's more like the, just the ether space or whatever. Mm. This is in some sense, a machine. That's kind of how they treat it. Um, it's a random machine, but it is a machine. It, it is something that does something. And they say that this thing is eternal. And by they are the, like, who are some, maybe some leading scholars in this field that may be perpetuating this, or uh, can you provide resources later for that? Yeah, I'll um, give you resources later. I mean, the, the okay. big guys. I'm, I'm saying that because like, I, I don't know if people are just getting this from the culture or if they're actually being taught this in like science courses or things like that. Uh, well, you've got, yeah, you've got M theory hyperdimensionality. I mean, that's Stephen Hawking. Mm. Who's like an authority essentially on a lot of these resources are almost coming from these leading atheist skeptics yeah. who are pushing kind of like this narrative, this theory that we basically came from somewhere, but it's just not God. It's not Jesus. It's not something that we have previously known. 
or accepted for thousands of years as truth, that somehow a new discovery is being made. I think this is the temptation of the world and of you know the adversary is to present new revelation. Yes. Because science has discovered something that has never existed previously. Therefore, we need to put everything into this breakthrough. And what's interesting is you look just in the last century, you find DNA. What does DNA point to? Intelligence. Yeah. You, you have breakthroughs in certain cosmological or things that they discover in the universe, black holes, things like that, string theory. Uh, chaos theory, all these different things. And they really ultimately point to design. And so yeah. we're kind of not going outside of that. I will mention a couple more things about Oliver. So again, so some of the main guys, Brian Green, big one, Stephen Hawking, Neil deGrasse Tyson. So right. some of those are the more famous names, I think, that mm. people know uh, that are multiverse supporters. So no, it's in the scientific community. There's no question, specifically in the realm of physics. It is absolutely wow. there get their books put some links in there people want to see some comparisons and stuff but yeah so just maybe wrapping up the multiverse theory uh from the context of the student you know they're seeing these messages in the culture they're looking they're appealing to people like neil degrasse tyson or you know even like bill Nye, some of these other guys that are kind of just circulating. they have like the almost like brand name recognition as like being experts in this field whereas if you actually look at some of their talks or some of their debates they kind of fall apart on certain metaphysical yeah. questions i mean there's talks about like what the earth looked like some of these guys couldn't give you a straight answer. And so, and Jason, here's the issue. And this is going to wrap into, I think, one of your later questions that you're probably going to get at. But the question is, is if we are on a quest for truth, what does that quest for truth actually look like? Mm. And let me go ahead and just explain essentially what you've got in terms of truth in the multiverse theory. What you have is akin to an artist. Now, an artist can be very good. They can paint things that look hyper-realistic. They can paint things that look extremely fantastical, right? Mm. And they and the skill level and the quality of the painting is through the roof. Mm. But here's the question. Between the, the ultra-realist setting and the fantastical setting, which one more accurately depicts reality? The skill of the worker does not determine whether it depicts reality. Mm. This is the key to understanding multiverse. The multiverse guys are great artists. They've come up with phenomenal mathematical theories. They've come up with great constructions. But there is no evidence linking those mathematical theories and those constructions to reality. And so they are akin to a masterwork level artist painting a sci-fi painting. Beautiful painting. And it works. And it, it, man, it looks great. And oh my, but it is not connected to reality. Wow. And that's a really interesting uh, analogy, a way that we can actually understand not just the multiverse, but really any kind of new theory or philosophy yes. or, you know, something in science fiction, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Cause you see like so many, I mean, just with technology nowadays, uh, look at Avatar 2, oh, yeah. uh, some of these new movies coming out and just the level of like artistry, you know, animation, we have students that are listening to this that are kind of heading in this route. We like that. Here's the thing is go back in, in time. We praise the Renaissance era artists yeah. who were just starting to really unpack kind of like dimension and form and structure. But why is it that those guys are just revered through history? It's because when you look at your Da Vinci's, when you look at your Michelangelo's, when you look at some of these guys, Bernini and all these other sculptors, what they were doing in their time was so breakthrough. And here's the thing is, what was the object of their artistry? It was to give reverence to biblical imagery, which captures the essence of the human condition and the soul. And so I think when you're looking at these themes in popular culture, they always seem to fall short of your ultimate identity and purpose. Would you agree or do you want to add anything yeah, to that? Well, and, and this is where it gets interesting, right? We'll talk about this in the witchcraft situation because it's mm -hmm. this is actually becoming more and more relevant 
Um, and we'll talk about why. Oh, let's just, let's just go right in there if you want to as well. Yeah, we'll dive right in. So, and, and it's interesting you brought up the Marvel movie. I did see it as well. I really enjoyed it. Really? Oh, yeah. Because I, I knew there was going to be some good worldview questions that yes. this was going to bring about. And I had a feeling that uh, I was going to get to talk to somebody. didn't realize it was going to be this talk. But, there's um, a there's, lot of other messaging in there we're not going to be able to unpack in this episode. Yeah. Uh, but yes. Yeah, no, go ahead. The witchcraft one is actually really important because mm. for the first time, and I'm really going to argue this for the first time, the worldview of witchcraft on display. And here's the worldview of witchcraft. You can utilize a spiritual dimension or spiritual power to recreate your reality. That's the worldview of witchcraft. Oh. It is the idea that you can recreate your own reality. You can make reality what you want. And you can utilize spirits, incantations, spells, whatever you want to call it, to accomplish that means. Normally, when, when people use witchcraft and stuff like that, it's like an aside, right? It's, it's like, oh, shoot a lightning bolt or something. It's That's actually not what it's about. That's more mm. fantasy. True witchcraft is using your magical capabilities to recreate your reality. Yeah. Now we're seeing the actual witchcraft worldview on display. And that was what was interesting about that one character. Um, the Wanda character was that she essentially was saying, yes, I'm going to recreate my reality using the things right. I'm given that is new age. That is witchcraft. Yeah, I think in the that's exactly. So we're finally getting them revealing the worldview associated with this. Right. I am the god of my own universe. My universe is what I make it. I mean, right. you can recreate mm. your own reality. And why is that tied to culture right now? Because we've been told at every level that the reality we live in on the day to day does not have to be the true reality. Mm. If we do not like our bodies, we can change our gender. If we do not like society, we can tear it down and build a new society. If we do not like whatever it is, we can rip it to shreds and rebuild something new. And that is the worldview of witchcraft. That is the worldview of yeah. New Age. And Jason, this is why we are seeing and going to be seeing a rise in New Age and a rise in witchcraft. Not because of those things are appealing, but because we've already set the worldview in people's minds. Yeah. And witchcraft and New Age are the vehicle to achieve the worldview they now hold. That's the seduction. That's where it's going to come from. Mm. From the Christian worldview, right? What the Bible has to say about this. You go back to Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 14. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or cast spells, or who is a medium or spiritist who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord because these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. Why do we not do these things? It's because they are an abomination. They're an affront to the character and image of God. You're not going to be able to manifest your reality through these spirits. We see Jesus interacting with these in the New Testament, even the disciples interact with them. Uh, even the demons recognize the authority of Christ and of Paul and of other leaders. And we see in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4, 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. I'm going to give you a short practical. I was just in Barnes Noble yesterday in Cary, talked to a young lady. She actually had tarot cards out there and she was trying to do some readings her friends. This was like probably a 15, 16 year old girl. And I had, her friends had left and she was sitting there and I happened to have been working on something. And I actually asked her some questions. I was like, Hey, wh who taught you how to use these? Or I'm just curious. And, and she had told me a little bit about her past. And I was curious, like, how do you know these are real? Because people don't even believe in, that this is real. She is like fully aware that these are spiritual entities. Oh, yeah. That she, and I asked her, well, can you explain that? Well, there's this heaviness, if it's a good entity or a bad entity, by the way, 
there's no such thing as good entities and bad entities. Based on the biblical worldview, there are demons and there are angels. And so one of the things I asked her was like, how do you know that these are actually giving you insight into people's future? or into events that have happened. And she's like, well, you know, like there's a part of which you have to interact and have a relationship or a connection with these and things like that. So here's what was key is, have they ever told you the past and why they happened? She couldn't give me an answer because only God can do that. The other thing that was I thought was really interesting is when I asked her about Jesus and about the authority Jesus had, she gave me so many roundabout messages. Well, Jesus is like one of many different people that we could go to. But then I asked her, was like, well, how do you know these entities have the authority? And have you ever asked them by what authority they can do these things? They have to appeal to an authority. They can't just be their own independent authorities. Like, I want to hear your response on that. And I guess really ultimately is what do we say to maybe people on this podcast that may have either sought a psychic or medium or they're seeing things in the culture? What do we say to, to maybe parents listening to this? Like, hey, you don't know what your kids are picking up when they're not at home, you know, not all of them might be like vocal about what they believe or what they practice, but if they're engaging with this with friends that are, how can they kind of safeguard themselves from that and their kids as well? All right, go ahead. Yeah. So in this, Jason gets into, again, and I might even start out by just simply saying, what is truth? How do we know it? And what should our quest look like? Because here's why you're seeing the things you're seeing. To the, to the person who's grown up in church, who, for whatever reason, you know, may even call themselves a Christian, whatever, but says, ah, there's a lot of other spirits, there's a lot of other things out there. Okay, well, if it was a church that was actually teaching biblical doctrine, and if that student or that person actually believed the biblical doctrine, there's no way that person would ever go into New Age or witchcraft. Why? Because, as you said, definitionally, all spirits are demonic, that are going to approach through those means. They're all going to be demonic. They're going to attempt to deceive you. They're going to be good and bad. They Demons are demons, which means they have the ability to kind of move around and observe things. They can't predict the future, but they can absolutely look around and say things that might convince you that way, right? Right, like Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. Yeah, yeah. and he knows scripture too. So you, right. you have to test the spirits. So you have all that. And my comment is the same to the multiverse theorists, the same to the new age person, the same to all of these people. The questions that I would ask is, how do you know you're not chasing a fictional painting? Mm. And here's why. Because the comment is, well, but look at how well-constructed and cohesive it is. Mm. That's multiverse theory. That's, uh, you know, that's, that's new age. It's like, look, look, it all works. I don't deny that, that the sci-fi painting works. It absolutely works, but it's not reality. Mm. Well, well, wait, wait, wait. What, what about the, uh, the fact that multiverse and the, and the new age thing, they help me. They give me purpose and meaning, and, and, and they, they solve these problems in my life. Right. Again, the sci-fi painting absolutely can do all of those things, but that doesn't make it reality. So this is the issue. Truth is not about finding something cohesive. Truth is not about finding something you can prove. You're never going to be able to prove what I will call the metaphysical realities and truth of the universe. Okay, mm. You're on a quest for Cartesian certainty, or you're on a quest to prove something naturalistically, or you're on some other quest but you're mm. not on a quest for truth. If you're looking for the real issue is that when you are looking for truth, you are looking for that which corresponds to reality. Mm. That which actually is true in the real world. Not a philosophical construction, not a metaphysical reality you create through your own, quote, spiritual powers. You aren't trying to do something new. You are trying to understand what is. 
Right. So like, let's use a practical example. And I understand that because I view life through the lens of a biblical worldview or a Judeo-Christian worldview, meaning that when I examine the origin of the universe, the meaning and purpose of life and what we're doing here, including the trajectory. So we have to be as a civilization heading towards a direction. And this unpacks a little bit more, you know, different worldviews have different ways of approaching that. There's some overlap in certain cases, like most of the major religions have in their worldview an origin story. They have what our purpose is in there, how we interact with the divine. Uh, and then of course, what happens when we leave here? Uh, well, some people believe we go to paradise. Some people believe that we slip into the ether, right? Or there's a karma, we get reborn again. And we'll, we'll probably have to do that comparative religions. I think we definitely need to do that in another episode is break down uh, some of the major worldviews across the, the religious spectrum. But uh, real, real quick to, to kind of maybe close out just this section, uh, I was going to touch a little bit on yoga too, but I feel like that needs its own little episode. Can you just briefly unpack yoga? Then we're going to get into what I, I've been wanting. This is a big one. Uh, I want to unpack ancient aliens and maybe even some of the some of the exceptions and, and issues there, because I think that just leads into so many other things. What I might do is I might actually, um, I'd like to do maybe the full hour, and then I'll probably split this in two parts, because I feel like there's just so much here for people to chew on. So let's talk a little bit more about maybe the witchcraft and yoga. Sure. The second half will be ancient aliens. I have some scripture references for that, but uh, maybe we'll touch in a little bit how that ties in with some of the secret society stuff, the gnosis, the cult, some false teacher, and then a little bit on sci-fi. I think we talked a little about contemporary issues with though. So, um, yeah. Can you go and just close out witchcraft yoga and some of the sure. things there? Maybe plug your book. Yeah. So, so here's things. So my book, new age Trojan horse, and, and here's the issue, witchcraft and yoga, Hinduism. Um, the central worldview is that you are in some way, shape or form God. Mm. And as God, you can recreate your reality. Now, in witchcraft and New Age, you recreate your reality through either an exercise of the mind or through some ritualistic magic. That, that's really what it is boiled down. It boiled into a very simple premise. That's what New Age and witchcraft are. Now, Hinduism is, again, the idea as well. Now, and, and trust me, I understand. Hinduism is this, there could be one God. There could be many gods. There could be a triad of God. I mean, I get that. But philosophically, Hinduism is the idea that you have divinity within yourself in some way, shape, or form. Mm. And what you are doing through yoga is not exercise. It never was exercise. In fact, when you look at the yogis, uh, they say that exercise is a byproduct. It is not mm. the purpose. So when you engage in yoga, you are engaging in something whose purpose is not primarily exercise, right? Mm. I can take a knife and I can use it to try and cut a slice of paper. Uh, scissors would be better for that. Uh, that knife is really more for chopping up meat, right? But I can mm. use it to cut paper as well. It doesn't do a great job, but it sort of gets it done. That's the problem with yoga. People are using it for exercise. That's not really what it's used for. It or mindfulness. Sort of gets the job done. Yeah. yeah, like a health, like holistic remedy of some kind. Yeah. Exactly. And, and it, it kind of gets the job done, sort of, right? Mm. But here's the thing. What's it actually used for? It's actually used as a preparative for transcendental meditation, mm. for the severing of the body and the mind or soul and allowing for out-of-body experiences. So yoga is actually a preparative for those things. Now, what does that mean? It also means that yoga is a preparative for receiving new spiritualism, for interacting with spirits, for all of this other junk, because your mind's being put in a state of disassociation. And so the problem therein is when people practice yoga, they don't quite understand it. And additionally, I've got papers and other things as well that, that shows the longer people engage in yoga, the less they associate with Christianity, the more they associate with Buddhism yeah. or spirituality. So there's no question yoga's negative spiritual effects are substantial. 
There are also physical negative effects as well. But again, it's all about manipulating your reality or, or something in that category. That's yoga. That's Hinduism. That's witchcraft. That's new age. The Bible simply says this reality is going to smack you in the face, whether you like it or not. Mm. All of the other of those types of religions, those new age religions say when life smacks you in the face, remake life. Mm. Yeah. Instead of basically uh, humbling yourselves, becoming right. obedient uh, to God and recognizing that you're not the center of the universe. Yes. I think that ultimately comes down to it. You're either going to follow yourself or you're going to follow God. You're going to follow this type of moral relativistic fluidity in your beliefs about the world because you don't want to be tolerant. You don't want to be disrespectful. You don't want to uh, judge people in your heart, or you're going to follow a standard that's proven and demonstrated itself for thousands of years that's come under scrutiny by every generation and still speaks into the culture, into the hearts of people, and people are drawn into the person and reality of Jesus. Well, and Jason, this is where I thought the Marvel movie was actually kind of fascinating because they end it by saying, even if you could recreate your own reality, don't do it. Mm. Live in the one you're in, appreciate what is there, and figure out how to live in it. That's kind of the end theme. Mm. And the funny thing is, and that's the theme that actually goes against, which is really interesting, right? The yeah. New Age worldview. The problem is, is in a Marvel movie, you're not going to get the answer of how to actually live in your reality at peace and in reconciliation. Yes. That's the gospel. So, so really, you know, it would have been great is if they would have had Jesus come in and there's the gospel right and saying, hey, you know, but uh, we can only hope. That is, um, that is a good point. I kind of want to camp on that for a second. Um, you know, not just Jesus, you know, coming in at the end, because, you know, I would love to see a, even a major blockbuster movie introduce even they can't they can't introduce the reality yeah. of jesus in, in, in his message yeah. yeah um the world popular culture um as good as it gets it, it tries to just get there it tries to just scratch all of our moral presuppositions all of our longings for identity and purpose but it never quite satisfies it it has to leave you with the cliffhanger yeah it has to and and jason this is a great point you make because what you're essentially describing is what we call natural revelation in other words, everyone should be able to look at this world and basically have it bring you right to the brink of the next logical conclusion is God. And that's why I said at the end of that movie, it's like, well, the next logical conclusion is God. I mean, that, 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 that's it. Love the reality you're in. The, the only explanation for that is God created that reality for his glory and for you. That, yeah. that, that's it. That's, that's the reason. So what you're hitting at is the fact that people all across the world, absolutely, when they get observational, right? Hmm. When they're simply observing reality, they're going to get reality right. And reality is going to lead you to a Christian theistic worldview. The hmm. problem is, is that in their sinfulness, natural revelation is not enough to get you all the way there. Because even if you have that idea, your sin nature is going to cause you to reject it. Yeah, that's good. Your sin nature is just not going to let you accept it as possible or true or whatever. And yeah. you're going to start searching for what? And here's where the world gets off. Other explanations. The world has always made fairly good observations. Mm -hmm. I don't even deny that. And I think scripture actually says that that's going to be how it is. It simply says in, in Romans, right? God's power, glory, majesty, it's all on display through creation. To be clearly seen so that there's without excuse. Mm -hmm. No excuse. And I think the world plays that out every day. Mm. I think even in that movie that the world played that out. It's like, yeah. nope, what the world can't do, what natural revelation can't do is get you to the next step, mm. which is where special revelation comes in. It's where scripture comes in. It's where Jesus comes in. It's where redemption comes in. And it can't get you there. And that's fundamentally the what you're feeling, I think. Yeah. Ah, uh, 
So, so good. Um, we're gonna we're gonna take a break right here. Uh, but before before I do, it's like that definitely leads us right into the second half of the segment of whether we're talking about ancient alien theory, which has come up a lot in the culture. The just the messaging that popular culture has been playing with this that we can somehow look to the cosmos, look for this intelligent designer, this type of uh, extraterrestrial creator. And this is where I think the next evolution of just the modern agnostic atheist, the skeptic mind is that well we're not denying that there is a higher creator. We're just not going to ascribe that to a man-made God. We're not going to ascribe that to the person of Jesus that people had wrote and claimed to have seen when we don't have testimony. Even leading atheists throw that out. They have to accept the historical reality of Jesus. And I'm not making that up. Like you look at Dawkins, you look at Bart Ehrman, you look at Sam Harris, they've all attested to the historical reliability of Jesus. I talked about that another time, but okay, let's take a break. And then we're going to dive into the ancient aliens and then we'll get into sci-fi. Thank you for listening to another exciting episode of Solomon's Knot, a production of 4campus.org and its associated partners. If you haven't already, please make sure to drop a five-star review, whether on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, as well as including sharing this with like-minded peers, friends, family, or those in your sphere of influence. We appreciate your faithful viewership and look forward to continued engagement with young people on the campus and those in the surrounding area. Until next time, this is Jason. Peace.